0: Lord, we want to trust you alone. We want to stand on the firm foundation of your love, Jesus. So, Lord, as we come to you now, we ask you to show your love to us. Show us your goodness, we pray. And help us to reach out in love, in true love, to those around us. Show us how to do that, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, it's good to be with you again. And I've enjoyed hearing some great uh, sermons and Father's Day, uh, lots of great stuff we've had. And guess what? We're back to Acts. Um, In fact, we're back to Acts 15, where we left off a little while ago because it is so good and so pivotal and so important, and so relevant to our day. So, talking about firm in truth and flexible in love. And what does that mean? Um, so, what is Jesus doing? We're looking through the, the book of Acts, the acts of Jesus and his spirit. And as you know, we, we had a little fun with this. Uh, gentlemen, this is a football. I was trying to get you back to the basics that... Christianity is a team sport. And uh, just had to do something for the Green Bay Packers fans, like we don't usually. uh, Anyway, yeah. So this is a football. And then we said, or is this a football? Hey kids, is this a football or is this a football? Yes, this is a football and this is a football. And people play football and play football. People play American football and people play the football they play around the world that we call soccer. Um, so they're both football. Hey, by the way, Emily and Sean, welcome. Great to see you guys. Congratulations to the newlyweds. Um, good, good, good to have you here. A- anyway, sorry, I'm just distracted by fun people we're getting to see. Um, so these are both footballs. So, our kids, I was wondering, do you guys ever have any differences with anybody? Do you, do you ever have any disagreements? Like, which game you should play, or which rules you should go by? There's differences, then those differences lead to disagreements. And it turns out, I want you to think of a difference you have with somebody. I want you to think of a disagreement that you've had with somebody recently. Um, maybe one that even my mentioning it makes you go, mm, uh, a little emotion behind the disagreement. Uh, you got that in your mind? Those of you who have never had a disagreement with anybody, uh, just, you know, pretend. Think about what you could have a disagreement about. Um, and I don't know what world you're living in, but uh, anyway, what do, how do we respond to disagreements. How do we respond when we're playing different games? And so here's what happened. Let's go way back. Genesis. Adam and Eve rebel against God and they sin and it breaks their relationship and that relationship ends up breaking the relationship in the family and Cain kills Abel and that goes on to society and all of society has to be judged in the flood and then it goes on so that even between ethnic groups and languages and nations there is difference and disagreement. That's the story of Babel, right? And we have struggled with that up to the present day, up to the wars that are going on right now, up to the everything. That is not only disagreements between people, but between peoples. What do we do with that big a disagreement? And it turns out when it comes to Acts, Jesus is the answer and he's acting on healing even that so it starts with the Spirit is poured out and they speak all kinds of languages, but most of them get together. They're they're Jewish and then they start having some disagreements with the Hebrew-speaking and the Greek-speaking Jewish believers and they have to deal with that and then there's persecution that spreads them out and the Samaritans get saved and then an Ethiopian eunuch gets saved and then even Cornelius gets saved. Cornelius is a Gentile. He's never been circumcised. He's never become a Jew and yet, somehow, the Spirit moves to save him, and people are like, well, oh, I don't think that's very good. I don't th- how- you ate with them? But yet it happens. And then Antioch, they start sharing with the Gentiles. And then Paul and Barnabas go, in there lots of Gentiles come. Now the Jews are getting nervous because these people don't seem to be coming Israelites. They seem to want to stay Gentiles and not become part of Israel. And how can they do that The word of God was revealed to Israel. God chose Abraham. Don't they know that they have to be one of us? One of the people, the the people of God. So that's the difficulty that we get to when mission works. When all of this difference comes in. Now that is a problem. Or is it a possibility? Um, And what... here's another way you can respond to difference and disagreements. This is from Jeff Gilboy at camp. He preached through Ephesians. It was great. He said, it's really best if you can label people and dismiss them as quickly as possible. Ideally, just by looking at them. But then if you can hear, like maybe they have a different accent or, or, or is, just listen to them long enough to figure out what label to put them in and then dismiss them. Right? Isn't that, isn't that a great way to sow division? And he said, the other thing, if you want to really sow division, is to only have two groups. Really, it's much less complicated if you just have two groups. Don't get any nuance in there. I mean, even our labeling, like, Jesus loves little children, red and yellow, black and white, that's like four groups. I mean, it's certainly not just people have a lot of different melanin, but, you know, it's four groups. And Actually, I thought I should update it. We could just have Jesus loves little children, red and blue, black and white, and then we'd be good could categorize you whether you're red and blue or you're black and white and then we'd know. We got you pigeonholed. Right? So, that's my recommendation if you want to create more division. Two groups. Don't get any nuance. Don't, and then label as quickly as possible. Don't listen to somebody's story. Don't um, find out what their story is, why they think what they think, or, or, or if there's any nuance or any possibilities in between. You, you following me? Pretty much everything you think about, there's two groups we split people into. No, and we've made these dividing lines. You can't argue about what the dividing lines are or what the definitions are. You just pick your group, right? And once you've picked your group, then you don't even have to think about the next things that come up. You can just listen and say, well, what does my tribe think about that? And then as soon as you know what your tribe thinks about that, you can just have an opinion, right? No research necessary, just have an opinion. That's what our people think about that. How's it working for you? (laughs) Um, But something different happened here. Now, the Jews were getting upset because they had two groups. Very well defined. They had the circumcised and the uncircumcised. They had the people of God and they had the pagans. They had the people that had been chosen and the people that were not chosen. But now there was this blurry line happening where some of the uncircumcised... We're acting like they were the people of God. And it was getting messy. So, they were trying to fix it. Right, tell, if you're going to be one of the people of God, you've got to guide, you gotta be circumcised. You've got to fall. So here's, the early church had big disagreements. And as I said, this was so encouraging to me to know that they had big disagreements because we have big disagreements. And all, all how wonderful it was at the beginning of the church. That was before they got all kinds of different ethnic groups and different languages and different stuff in there. Acts 2 was great, but they were all speaking the same language. Um, they had big disagreements. So Paul and Barnabas went to Antioch in Syria. Some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers unless you're circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. You have to do what is in the law. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. They were saying, You must become part of Israel. You, I, that means you must be Jewish. To be fully saved. Now, none of us would ever think that people have to be like us to really be Christians, right? We never have anything extra, but we we looked at Galatians 2 last time. This is review from the last time we preached about this, all right? How did the church deal with that? How did they pursue truth in the midst of this question? And how did they pursue love? What was the process? I want to look at the process, because... Luke is giving us an example of a process that we could also do as a church and in our disagreements, in case we had any disagreements. Okay? So first, they pursued truth, and they hold firm to truth. And Paul says, no, trusting Jesus and his work alone saves us. It's not Jesus and something else. Jesus and doing something else. Jesus and having the right opinion. Jesus and... Doing the right behaviors. Jesus and having the right attitudes. or or, You following me? It is so easy. I wanted to preach this one again. Because I get feeling too like, like, well, maybe I'm not good enough. That's not the question. Is, Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus and his grace and his death for you enough? Is trusting Jesus all we need? Yes, it is. And, Paul holds firm to this and will not budge an inch. Even when Peter moves and Barnabas moves, he says, no, you guys are wrong. He's so firm on this. And so when this comes, they have a discussion together. So the first piece of their process is they have a discussion together. Like this. So you know those people? I can't believe those people. No, no. They have a discussion between those who disagree. They took The people, all of the church in Antioch, chose people and sent them down to Jerusalem to have a discussion with all of the church in Jerusalem. A discussion between those who disagree. That is something that I challenge you to do. you disagree with somebody about something, talk to them about it. Ask them, listen to them. Say, how did you get this opinion? Very few of us do that. We talk to other people about them. We listen to commentators talk about them. We, but if we could talk to them, we might make some progress, right? And then they have a discussion with all of the church. All of the church in Antioch sends a delegation to meet with all of the church in Jerusalem. And all of the leaders meet together. And they all discuss it together. Not just the leaders on their own. Not just the people on their own. And, and it isn't just that the church in Jerusalem says, Hey, we hear there's some messy stuff going on out there. We need to send somebody to straighten them out. That happens in mission Sometimes. We send somebody off and then we hear, we hear that some of the translators are not using Son of God when they're using, talking to Muslims. They've got to say Son of God. Those words. We have to straighten them out. Instead of going and listening and saying, what? what's happening? What's going on? Could you give us, could we all talk about this? Um, there's many, many examples. So, they discussed Together with those you disagree with. And this is Paul and Barnabas going to Jerusalem. We looked at this last time. And then the whole church and all the leaders come together to have a long discussion. And in this discussion, what do they use as evidence? They use God's work. What is Jesus doing? What is the Holy Spirit doing? What is God doing? They look at what's happening. And they look at God's word. They say, well, if that's what Jesus is doing, what does God's word say about what God's doing? And then when they look at God's Word, they say, well, how does that help us to understand this? And understanding what Jesus is doing helps us to understand God's Word in new ways. This is amazing. So if you look at this passage, we looked at it last time, but they talk about God knows people's hearts. He confirmed. He makes no distinction. He, we believe that we're all saved the same way by the underserved grace of the Lord Jesus based on what they saw Jesus doing. This is a discovery. This is an innovation. This is a new thing that they discovered when there was differences Paul and Barnabas talk what God's done and then they go to the bible and James says this very important part God Peter has told you about the time God first visited the gentiles to take from them a people for himself now that doesn't mean a lot to us but in greek he's saying a people about gentiles that word was always used for the people, the people of God, Israel, God's people, a people. And now he's saying, a people from Gentiles. What? How can Gentiles be the people of God? But he's saying, look, Scripture, and I don't know if he'd ever seen this in Scripture before, he probably read this before and thought, oh, I'll return and restore the fallen house of David and probably the Samaritans, the ten tribes, and the two tribes will come back together and it'll be that restoration. Then we'll dominate all the other tribes. But Peter says, no, look, the Gentiles are coming in to Jesus who is the son of David. He sees this in a whole new way based on what God is doing. You following me? God does new stuff. We see new stuff in Scripture now. Dustin said, if it's new, it isn't true. Right? Well, the fact that God wanted to reach the Gentiles isn't new. It's just they forgot. They didn't see it. But God's work helped them see this new thing that wasn't new. It was his intention all along. So God's work and God's work in dialogue and discussion with each other in your life. What is God doing? Listen. Pay attention. Say, where, where am I feeling God's work? Where am I not feeling God? Take it to Scripture. What, what is God saying to me in this situation? And then we need to do the same. So, they have discovery of this truth. This truth about we're saved by grace and faith in Jesus alone came out of mission differences and disagreements trying to make sense of how can Gentiles be part of the people it must be that it's not about following the laws it's actually just about trusting Jesus They discovered something true because of their disagreements, because of their discussion together. Isn't that cool? So when we have the problem of differences and disagreements, it's potential for God, by his Spirit, to show us something new that he's always been doing. (laughs) And this was discovered because of mission. Now, so the salvation question... What is necessary to be saved? Only trust in Jesus. But that's only the first question, which we dealt with all this, this kind of review. The second question is, what's necessary for two different groups to eat together? That's a question. We've talked before about who do you eat with? Well, preferably they have my kind of food. And they also have my kind of preferences about uh, vaccines and masks and stuff because I don't want to be exposing myself. Or I don't want to, they, they made me, you know, we, we have lots of things. We, we, who do we eat with? Who do we actually get together with? You see, this was the big problem for them. Because the Jews had spent their whole lives with their lives divided between the circumcised and the uncircumcised, and the people who eat things that are not kosher, and are reminded every time we eat that we're not them. We are the people. How were they supposed to eat with the unclean, uncircumcised, and then go back to Jewish society at all when they'd been no longer clean? You following me? This was a, and and they. How were they going to eat together? How were they going to be? together. It happened in in Antioch. We saw that Peter was like, oh, I I was eating with them, but I better not. And Barnabas goes with because, you know, it's too uncomfortable. So James says this, we can pursue love and we can be flexible for fellowship and unity. So they've just said, you don't have to follow the law. It's just about Jesus. And my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So that's one of the results of being in Babylon. There's synagogues everywhere. People are preaching the Word of God. That was one of the results from Pastor Justin's sermon. But... So here's the difficulty. People are like, are these like forever laws? Like everybody has to do these? Or are these just ceremonial accommodations? Or what's happening here? Because some of this like sexual immorality seems like obvious. Why do you even say that? So it seems like James is going back again to Scripture. Leviticus 17, it says, even those who live among you as Israelites need to follow these laws. Even... Gentiles, who live among you, need to follow these laws. And that goes back to Noah. And when God told Noah not to eat meat with blood in it, and so they're like, well, everybody should know this. Everybody's a child of Noah, so everybody should know this. So this becomes, this is a way that Jews could eat with Gentiles and still not be defiled so they could still be Jews. And Gentiles could still be Gentiles, just be Gentiles. All they have to do is follow Jesus. But for the sake of fellowship, Gentiles, this is not so you get saved. This is just so you get along, so you can be together, so you can eat together, so you can have a church that's one people. Is there anything for you that could be flexible? So that you could love somebody else. Something that maybe he was important to you, but it's not like gospel truth. Like you're only saved by grace. Something you could be flexible about. And maybe, even if you disagree. So, the salvation and the social questions, what is necessary to be saved? Firm in truth. Paul is like, no! This is not happening. We only are saved by grace and he'll take anybody on. Peter, James, I don't care. This is truth. What's necessary for different groups to eat together? Then they get flexible. Here's They're flexible in love. Now, here's what I see is a lot of people are either firm in truth
1: or they're flexible in love.
0: You following me? Some people are like, whatever you want to do, you know, everybody's got their own ways of, of doing things. Love who you want to love. Be what I, you know, let's be tolerant. Let's be, let's just be flexible. Okay? Other people are like, no! This is truth. You can't be in here if you don't believe my truth. Have you seen any people like that? Ever reacted like that yourself? Actually, sometimes we switch roles. And sometimes we're firm firm about our flexibility, or vice versa. But they're doing both. So Paul's flexibility, think about Paul. Just a little bit after that, Paul gets Timothy, and he circumcises Timothy. Paul, what? You were just saying you don't have to be circumcised. But Timothy's following you, and now you're circumcising him? Paul says, yeah, it'll make you more acceptable to Jews, because his mother's a Jew. Uh, Okay. Well, what about eating food offered to idols? It says, don't eat food offered to idols. 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, I'd never do that. Well, maybe I'd do that. What? He says, I would never go and be in an idol temple and and eat food sacrificed to idols. I would never identify myself with an idol. But then he says, but you know, if I go to somebody's house and they put some meat on the table... And they're a non-Christian. I'm trying to win them. I'm not going to say, what kind of meat is this? I'm just going to eat it. And sure, it might have been sacrificed to an idol, to a demon. I don't care. <clears throat> God made it. It's not affected by demons. Paul, are you a flip-flopper? What's going on? Paul is flexible in love. He says this. He is flexible in love for a firm purpose. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So he will do anything, not for his own gain like most of us, not for my opinion or my way. I'm a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So whatever I can do to bring people to Christ, to show them God's love, I'll do it. Eat whatever is put on the table. I'll circumcise Timothy. I'll, 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 I'll do offerings in the temple like he does later. I'll do whatever it takes so that people can know Jesus' love and, be, and that they're saved by him alone. Paul is flexible in his love. When I was with Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I can bring to Christ those who were under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law, so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. He's obeying God by loving people, by being firm in the truth. Are you following? And then he goes on and talks about the the, uh, food sacrifice to idols and stuff. Paul is so firm. It's like a rock when it comes to truth. I think it was Luther that said, but he's like a reed when it comes to love. I want you to think about that. What do you need to be so firm on? What do you need to be flexible on? So is it a problem or a possibility that mission and being a house of all nations produces differences and disagreements? I think it's a possibility by the Holy Spirit. We can discover new truth. Here's the spirit-led process they went through that you can go through. Discussion. With all sides, together, in the same room. All the churches. Not the older church telling the younger church what to do, or the younger church saying, forget you. Not, oh, you're woke, or okay, boomer, or... No, no, no. Talk together. All the leaders, they're all having a discussion together. And then there's the discovery from God's work and God's world. What's the Spirit doing? What's Jesus doing? What does that help us to understand what the, what the Bible says? What does the Bible say help us to understand what's happened in our lives? And then decision that's firm in truth. We're going to be so firm on what's true and flexible in love. We're going to do whatever it takes to love people, to win people to Jesus. We're not going to compromise truth but we're going to love people. We're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to love with truth. Let me ask you something. Remember you said you had a disagreement with somebody? Well, maybe you didn't say it, but I challenge you to think about a disagreement you might have had with somebody. Think about that. Does this process work at all? Maybe you need to talk to them about it. Maybe need a group to talk together. Maybe you need to see what is Jesus doing in this situation. <clears throat> What's he showing me about my heart? What, what can I hear from them about their story? And then where do you need to be firm? And where do you need to be flexible? Now this is not easy to work out in practice. It wasn't easy for them. But the Holy Spirit was doing stuff was showing stuff in his word was guiding the process and God did stuff and what was the result the results for the church was it expanded cuz now there was no barriers people could come in while still being who they were galatians could still be galatians and be followers of jesus can muslim background believers still be muslims and follow isa can Jewish followers of Jesus. So uh, my friend Baruch, I uh, met in, outside the old city walls in Jerusalem when I lived there for a semester. And I asked me the time, and then I got to know him a little more. He talked about how when he got saved, maybe I've told you this story, but when he got saved, <clears throat> first of all, it was crazy because he had always been persecuted by Christians. He hated Christians because they had been so nasty to him. But he found this Christian who loved and loved and loved and loved him, and he would spill hot coffee on him, try to make him mad, and he ended up living with the guy. The guy just loved him into the kingdom. And when that happened, his family had a funeral service and buried him. He was almost a rabbi. He he they said, No, you're not one of us anymore. Then his Christian family, his new friends, started trying to feed him pork. And I said, Well, you're a Christian, right? They wouldn't let him stay, being Jewish, and a follower of Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. Can Messianic Jews be fully, or do they have to eat pork to be really in? How about Muslims? Do they have to eat pork too? What things can we be flexible about? And what things are necessary? But when... We can be flexible, and then God can do stuff. It causes this tremendous expansion of the church. The church has been amazing because it's been able to bring the gospel into all cultures and transform those cultures. Where we've messed it up is where we've tried to bring our culture and make sure you have a European wedding so it's a real Christian wedding. Then it gets a messy then African believers have to have their own traditional wedding, and then they also have to pay for a Christian wedding, and then why not just live together? It's too expensive. We get too many things when we bring our own baggage. Anyways, harmony. Unity, but not unison. You know what harmony is, right? We need somebody to sing bass, somebody to sing tenor, somebody to sing soprano. If everybody up here was playing the same note and singing the same note, it would be kind of boring, right? And if the Antioch church was just like the Jerusalem church, that would be kind of boring. But they were so committed, even though we have differences, that we're going to be one church. They worked hard to make it happen. And in fact, for a thousand years, there was one church. And they kept having councils like this to hammer out their differences. Since then, we've gotten very into, yeah, I don't feel like I really belong here. Let me find a church that fits me. Right? Let's just start another church, do it. You know, they're not quite. We're missing the possibilities we have of being together. Now, we're in this situation now. So reach out to your other fellow believers, whether they're mainline or evangelical or Catholic or Orthodox or whatever. There's a lot you could discover as we unify the church. And then there's transformation. Did you notice that the whole church agreed on this letter that they sent back to Antioch? So the Pharisees were transformed into agreeing to this letter. And all these people out in the, the, the nations were being transformed. There is transformation that happens when we listen and make it appropriate. So a lot of people think contextualization or making things appropriate is watering down the gospel. No. It's making the gospel understandable so it can transform a culture. Okay? So when this happens, when we listen to each other, we can be transformed into something way better.
1: Um,
0: Let's pray. Let's have the worship team come up. Lord, we're so grateful that you are not um, confused about differences and disagreements. In fact, you made differences. You celebrated differences. I know we create extra differences, but you work with differences, with disagreements, and you help us to discover more about you, more about each other. God, forgive us labeling and dismissing and forgetting that we are one people. We are all your children, but more than that, we are one family, one people. Would you give us ears to hear from you and from each other in powerful ways that will be transformational, that will expand the church. God, would you help us to not prejudge people, people that don't fit what we think Christians should be, or whatever, or what they might become in you. Jesus, give us eyes to see you. Help us to remember that we are saved by trust in you alone. Would you help us to trust you for the differences and disagreements that we have now? Help us to humble ourselves and do your transformation, as we discover your truth and your love. Help us to be firm in truth, flexible in loving one another and all those who need your love. In Jesus' name, amen. The worship team is going to keep worshiping if you want to continue to worship, but we're also going to give a, a benediction, so you can go if you want whatever God's leading you to do. And uh, I just challenge you as you go, to think about that disagreement that you might have with somebody. And I just want us to take a minute so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you and tell you what it is that you can do. The Spirit only tells us to do what we can do. It doesn't mean that we can, uh, as far as it's possible with you, be at peace with all people. So um, maybe it's meeting together, talking together. Um, maybe it's seeing what God's doing. Look, it's looking in God's word. Maybe it's finding a way to be firm in truth while being flexible in your love. So, Lord, we just ask you to speak to us in this moment. Who is it?
1: Who is it that you want us to love? How is it that you want us to love them? Lord, we say
0: yes, yes, yes. We know you won't relent until you have it all and we're grateful. So we give it all to you. And one more invitation. Maybe you're here and you're like, wow, this sounds great to be part of this people, but I'm not sure I'm part of this people. I'm not sure I'm the kind of person that God wants, God would take. You are. It's not about how you do it. It's about Jesus and his grace and all he's done for you. So I invite you to trust him. That's all it takes, trusting him. Talk to me or talk to somebody else about how to take more steps in that. So, Lord, we come to you and we ask you to do your work by your Holy Spirit that only you can do. Help us to discover new things about you and about each other. Make us a house of prayer for all nations. Help us to be overflowing with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. So, go in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the truth of God the Father, in the love of Jesus Christ. Amen.